This, 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 this is mythical. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Before we get started, we would like to invite you to celebrate the 200th episode of Ear Biscuits with us by picking up an Ear Biscuits mug, which is 20% off for July 1st to July 5th. Oh yeah, limited time for a fantastic offer. I also wanna get you to come out to our shows and tell people in these cities that we're gonna be there. September 4th, Houston, Texas. September 5th, New Orleans, Louisiana. Birmingham, Alabama on September 6th. Jacksonville, Florida, September 7th. Tampa, Florida on the 8th. Albuquerque, New Mexico, November 20th. Phoenix, Arizona, November 21st. Sacramento, California, the 22nd. Valley Center, California, November 23rd wraps up our musical concert comedy extravaganza tour. Invite a friend. 2019. Invite a friend into the mythical universe. Even if you're not going. <laughs> yeah, sure. Now let's do a biscuit. Welcome to Ear Biscuits, I'm Link. And I'm Rhett. This week at the Round Table of Dim Lighting, we are exploring the question, how has Ear Biscuits changed over the course of 200 episodes! 200 episodes! That's right, this is the bicentennial. Yes! We've been going for 200 years. 200 episodes. Can you, can you say bicentennial when you're talking about just the number or does it have to be the year? Not any more than you have, but I think you've, okay. I think you've reached the quota. Uh, I've got a couple in my back pocket. Um, you know what, it's been a pleasure sitting here for all two, well, there's been a few exceptions, but. Well, you're saying it the, like this is the last episode Sitting ever. at this round it's, table. It's been a pleasure, we're stopping at 200. For 200. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, wow, I mean, this is a milestone, so you know, I like to get sentimental, so in this episode, uh, I asked Kiko uh, to pull some clips that span the history of Ear Biscuits to kinda uh, jog our memory of some things that we've been through here at the at the round table, and um, reminisce, probably analyze, and pontificate about the future, perhaps. If you've been with us since the beginning, or if you've done what some people do, and that is you, you get in late, but then you go, go in back. early. You go back early, yeah, and you catch up. You've known, you've learned uh, that this, what this show is has evolved pretty significantly. Yeah. Um, so I think that, I mean, first of all, the clips that we're gonna be playing are, are, are mostly, well, not mostly, we kinda, it, it sort not, of, sp it spans the, ch the changes, but we are gonna spend quite a bit of time talking, uh, hearing from some of those people we had as guests early on, but then we'll talk about what the show has become and uh, what we think about that. Yeah, what does Ear Biscuits mean to us? And uh, I, th I think we've got a handle on what it means to you as a listener as well. So um, the interaction between those two things, I think, I think we'll land there. Um, before we get into it, I just want to say I'm getting, I'm getting whiffs of myself. This is not the first time or the last that I've done what I did this morning, which was um, for the past few days I've been rubbing 
my deodorant stick sans deodorant on my underarms. You know how when it basically runs out, but you you don't have a new one, so it's like, well, I'm I bet there's I bet I can't see it, but there's some deodorant on on there, and I'm just going to rub harder. Oh, how many family members do you have? Uh, uh, five other ones, including the dog, or six if Britain happens to be in town. Okay, you don't. My boys, my boys have deodorant. Hold and on, you, but hold on. I've talked to you about how big my house is. I mean, hold it's on. so huge to go down there and get their <laughs> no, deodorant. No, no, no. If that's what you're going Option for. Option number one is to use your wife's deodorant. That's you, what I've done. That's what I switched to. And now I'm getting wafts oh, of this powder scent that's literally giving me a headache. I was gonna say something. I was gonna compliment you, but. Uh, it's like I'm in a freaking baby powder factory. Like, I've never gone out to my wife's. secret? And uh, it, I think it's degree, antiperspirant and deodorant powder scent apparently, not a sponsor. The ladies like to smell like powder. Uh, well, when I get close to her, she also hits that mythical number nine and that really draws me in. <laughs> mythical dot store. But um, this powder is not, can you smell it? I'm, a, I'm gonna waft my jacket. I can't smell a lot of things. So I don't know if I'm a great candidate oh, yeah. for, uh, for, for that. It's a head sickness. Um, um, I'm having trouble with it. I'm thinking I've about done, getting I've up done it. I and like it. wiping down my armpits no. and just going, because the past few, two days, I've been stinking. Like the left pit, not the right one, but I don't use antiperspirant. So today, I also feel like not only am I getting powdered up, but I'm also getting clogged up, because you know I don't use that antiperspirant. And you know what? <laughs> it will negatively affect you. Okay, so I, I don't- One day of it? Well, I went- We talking about cancer? No, no. Aluminum? I, no, no, I went for, I'd say three days. Okay, I don't know if we've ever talked about this on your biscuits, but we had a friend, Nick, uh, who, told us to take the Old Spice Challenge, which I don't even know if the Old Spice Challenge is what we, or he interpreted it to be. Right. But he said it was when you go deodorant only and you stop antiperspirant. And he's like, after a certain period of time, it varies from person to person, you will no longer need antiperspirant. Now I will say that neither of us are very sweaty guys. Uh, you know, in fact, and I'm not saying this as a point of, you know, Braggadocio? Yeah, I'm saying it because uh, Anna, who, who, who's, who did uh, hair and makeup for Buddy System during a very hot summer and then has also uh, done hair and makeup for GMM uh, for quite some time. She said, she t talks about how some actors are super sweaty and you have to like take like certain precautions. They're gonna sweat through their stuff. You have to give them special yeah. things, you know? And she's like, you guys are very on the low end of sweatiness. So maybe this doesn't That's apply right. to everybody, but both of us took the Old Spice Challenge, went straight deodorant, I would say within. And I didn't even do it with Old Spice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're, I, I don't remember what I did, but. The de I'll just call it the deodorant channel. Channel. <laughs> the deodorant channel, it's a new YouTube channel. <laughs> Why did I say channel? I don't know well, <laughs> Challenge. Because we're YouTubers. <laughs> um, so, and, because you know, even when you use antiperspirant, if you forget to use antiperspirant for that day, sometimes yeah. you'll just be in the middle of a non-stressful activity and you'll feel like a drip come down your- Or like a fountain, like a sprout, it'll sprout. Since taking the deodorant channel, <laughs> since taking the deodorant Subscribed. challenge, um, since subscribing, to the deodorant channel, I haven't had that drippage. I haven't either. Ever, until oh. I ran out of deodorant 
But you know what I was doing? I made a mistake, man. I made I made a big mistake. I went to, I actually went to uh, the drugstore to get deodorant to to restock. And I think I do. You got distracted by gummy bears again, didn't you? No, I use I I got like a couple of Old Spices. Okay, you know different. I fall for their marketing and the way they talk about right. the, the funny stuff that it says on there. And it's just deodorant. At this point, I don't need the antiperspirant, so I just any deodorant will work. But there was this thing on the top in the natural section. Mm. And it said, uh, I think it said magnesium-based or something like that. It was like, no aluminum, magnesium-based, and it had, and it was also, it had charcoal in it. And I just that's I, that's such a trend. I don't know why I, I have I don't have any need for it. I just got it because I was like, hmm, cool. You know, new. I wonder if and here's what I said to myself. I wonder if there are some circumstances in which I still might need an antiperspirant. <laughs> Let me test this out since this doesn't. Even though I don't believe. Even though for the past four years, at least maybe six since we've taken the subscribe to the deodorant channel. Years, but I and I personally don't believe in the aluminum thing. I think the aluminum thing. Being bad for you is 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 bad science based on the last time that I looked at it, but why take a chance, right? So uh, I use this stuff for three days, mm -hmm. and then the reason I stopped using it is because it was so hard; it would rip the hair under my arms out. It, it, it just it was it didn't have the smooth like just go across there real fast. So I stopped using it, went back to the old spice that day. Drippage triple. I mean, trickle. I don't understand. Well, words are coming out. What's wrong. Ha what's happening? I don't understand how your body is adjusting to this. But it was like my body got the cue that it was okay to evacuate water under my underarms. Pooch, pooch, pooch. But within three or four days, you back back to I was back to normal. Back to normal. Um, so I encourage everybody to do that. You know, unless you're just a sweaty person. I get the deodorant. I do get Old Spice because I also fall for it. I mean, I gotta hand it to it. It also smells good. But they have a it lot smells of good. really sm good smelling But scents. the one I get is Fiji. And the main reason I do oh, is. Oh, I've had Fiji. Because I've been to Fiji. Oh. Now that I've been to Fiji, every morning my armpits go back to Fiji. Mm. So I got I got to go in for some more Fiji. Yeah. You know what I'm talking I about? I completely understand I that. Feed the Fiji. So, you know, I, I was self conscious about the powder. I'm glad to hear that you can't smell it, but I'm sorry to hear that you can't smell. Um, that's gonna really put a damper. I don't want to put that a damper on our two hundredth celebration that we're that we're in the middle of. As long as there's nothing else to smell, I'll, I'll be fine. You know, you can access memories through smell, and I had this whole thing I was gonna bring in, like, oh, this is episode. You were gonna bring like, articles of clothing from past guests. <laughs> well, you know how we always snip off a little part of their clothes. Well, we haven't listened to these clips together. We'll do that. We'll go on a joyride back through Ear Biscuits. Apartments.com has more rental listings than anywhere else. So finding the perfect place is easier than ever and so is finally moving in together, just the two of you. It's a big step. Lots of new responsibilities, lots of adjustments. Most likely, they'll wake you up at odd hours to go to the bathroom. And you'll most definitely find yourself in trouble coming home late for dinner. They may even unroll all your toilet paper next time. It's just what happens when you two find a new place together. But you're not doing it because you feel like it. No, you're doing it because you love them, because they're family. And that's why Apartments.com has more pet-friendly rental listings on the internet. Did you know that's what we were talking about? Yes. Pets. So that you and your furry family can find the perfect new place together. Apartments.com, the place to find a pet-friendly place. So let's just start at the beginning. This is 
Well, this is episode three, released on your birthday, October 11th of 2013. Oh, so young back then, mid 30s. I believe Grace was our first guest. whole life ahead of me. But um, this, is, uh, this is a clip of Shane Dawson. Um, Shane Dawson's still around, arguably more than ever. So uh, let's listen to this very short clip. You know, when I was a kid, I grew up on horror movies. Not horror movies, horror, 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 horror movies. Mm-hmm. I grew up, that's all I watched, that's all I knew. I Still, that's all I watch, really. Um, so I have had, was so desensitized to uh, violence and cussing and boobs and all of that stuff. So for me, I wanted to be genuine and authentic with what I thought was funny, what I thought was cool, and I was into dark humor and all that stuff. And I was like, maybe there's other kids out there that are like that too. And when YouTube first started, it was those kids. Now it's a little more mainstream. But back then it was like the dark, gothic kids at school. Mm-hmm. And that's what they thought was funny too. And um, my first one of my first sketches was about phone sex where I had phone sex with a girl and she ended up like killing somebody. I don't know. It was very dark. <laughs> and um, and yeah, like, and that's just what I knew. And then know? the moral was phone sex kills. Yeah. The moral was there's always, you. if you think your life is bad, there's always somebody out there whose life uh, is worse than yours and you should appreciate what you have. It was always like, the morals were very, very loosely tied to it. But my whole thing now is I look at it like, okay, now my goal is just to give five minutes of entertainment to somebody who needs it. And um, if there's a moral, great. If there's not, at least they got five minutes of free entertainment. And um, and then hopefully now just keep proving people like, oh, I can actually direct because my goal now, which has been my goal since I was five, is to direct. So now I'm not really in my videos anymore. And all my last like hit videos, I guess, so hard nowadays to get a hit. But like my last couple like good videos, I haven't even been in. Like my last couple parodies, I wasn't even in. Mm-hmm. Just behind the scenes, writing, directing. So that's kind of my goal now is to take a little step back. End of clip. Now, uh, you gonna this, say that every time? This is us actually talking. <laughs> I'm not gonna say that anymore because I now mean, that I'm talking, why it don't seems you just obvious. Do? Beep, boop, boop, boop. So um, a couple of things about that. Well, I've got a number of thoughts, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hog all of the thoughts here. You know the fact that oh, he, really? he talked about five minutes. You know, talk about giving somebody five a five minute video, and then also talking about how it's hard to find a hit and how it's he's not even in a lot of his videos anymore. And then well, what he aspires uh, it, to. to. Very to me, interesting to me. It just shows you that uh, Shane's mentality has always been uh, experimenting, and he's always he, he's always had his his sites set on succeeding at this platform, which this may sound like an overly simplistic statement, but if you don't commit to trying to win at the game that is YouTube, you will not end up being, you you may have a a successful sort of uh, stint as a YouTuber, but longevity in this game is recognizing it as somewhat of a game that has to be played. The rules constantly change. Evolve or die. And uh, he's he's done that, you know? I mean, he talked a little bit about his dark humor, which uh, if you've been following anything, you know his dark humor has, has gotten him into trouble from time to time. But I think the interesting thing about him saying that he was moving into this place where he was directing and also not being on camera, and then you think about six years later, where he's at now, which is still kind of directing and producing, but he has reinserted himself into the center of his content because that 
turns out that's what worked. And also, and I can't think of many examples where that hasn't worked on YouTube since it's so personality based. And also, he's he's gone to the opposite extreme. He's not talking about five minutes. He's talking about like an hour and a half. I mean, what is the oh, well over an hour? Documentary. He's done almost two hour two hour length. Two hour videos on some of those. Um, I and I, I I'm just very grateful that Shane is doing well and is so relevant more so than ever. Well, I, maybe I won't say that. Just as relevant as he was in his previous versions. Um, I'm just so glad that there's people who've been around who know how YouTube used to be and they're still making it work. That gives us hope because that's obviously what we're continuing to uh, work hard to do. Stay relevant, stay on this thing. So uh, I'm grateful for Shane because from a selfish standpoint, it gives me hope. Uh, it was also I was also very grateful that he, he came on the show because it's not the type of thing that he loves to do. I don't think. No, he didn't at you the know, time, and he still doesn't. And I, you know, we should acknowledge that if Shane hadn't done his podcast, I'm sure we've said this before. I don't know that we would have considered doing a podcast. It wasn't the only factor by any means but it was a factor. He was not only doing a podcast, but it was it was doing well and it seemed to be able to su- support itself financially. There was a business model there. Yeah. Cuz you know, we just can't for, justify, for sure. you know, doing something. I, it it was speculated for a few years. I don't think we were making money off the podcast. There weren't sponsors involved in the very early but days. But the plan was that there would be. <laughs> and if you only listen now, yeah, Shane is Shane was the third guest of um many guests, at least 2 years worth of guests. Uh let's go ahead and Go to another guest, episode 25, released on March 21st of 2014. Uh, this is Colleen Ballinger. Uh, she also played Miranda in part of the Ear Biscuit. She came on as Miranda and then she- Left and came back as Colleen, yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't know, I think this is gonna be a Colleen clip, but I don't know for sure. You're obviously talented, not only as a comedian, but as a singer and a performer, so, you know how do how do you balance that when you think about the future? And you are, are you like okay, well, I've got these two tracks. Uh, you know, I hope that Miranda will keel over at some point, or this is I'm going to take this all the way. Like, what what are your yeah? Thoughts? No, I don't want to kill Miranda. You know, I I think Miranda will live as long as people want to watch. She's going to get pregnant and get <laughs> that's exciting. You know, she's going to go through it all with me. Are, are you pregnant? I'm, this is the announcement. <laughs> I'm pregnant, guys. Okay, you heard it first. <laughs> well, I right always want to make sure because <laughs> I want to. That's the key to our show working is somebody's got to get pregnant on this show. Well, I mean, <laughs> on the show, there's another, there's Miranda, another Miranda tweet. tweet. I know. This Whoa. is your fault. Whoa! And lo and behold, she she did get pregnant. Miranda got pregnant. So that was that was a um, that was a forecast. That was a premonition. So you did hear it first. Colleen is pregnant. You heard it first on Ear Biscuits. It it just it wasn't true at the time. And you know she has. And the reason I asked the question about are you going to kill Miranda uh, is you never know how people feel about the thing that everybody loves about what they do. Yeah. And the thing that everyone has latched on. A lot of times it was like, well, that wasn't even supposed to be the thing. Really, what I want to do is this. And she is. Um, yeah, she's, she she's got a role in a Broadway, musical, Broadway, Broadway musical. Uh, what is it, waitress? That sounds right. Uh, yeah, congratulations, she's, she's, she's gonna she's gonna do a little run there, but which is that's been her dream forever, and she's not doing it as Miranda. Nope, and she's 
and she she got pregnant and then had a baby. That's usually what happens after pregnancy. Yep. And then it was um, so a little boy that's uh, all over her Instagram. So I, I, w- I would like to say we broke that story. Can uh, I say that? You can say that. And you know, I think the thing about uh, Colleen as well. I mean, going back to 2014, and I and I think this is pretty much the case with. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but. We don't have any examples of like, you remember when so-and-so was really popular and we interviewed them and now they're completely <laughs> off the map. We don't, I'm sure we could come up with <laughs> examples of that, but we're not we doing that tell. because we're nice guys. Uh, but the way that her career has has evolved uh, and how she isn't as reliant on the YouTube game mm-hmm. as she once was because, um, I mean, she's still doing very well. She had a Netflix show. But she, she had a Netflix special. special. Uh, that's she, out now. Well, and she had, and just her touring that she's done. I mean, I, I'm sure that's going to slow down or has slowed down because of the the baby. But uh, so much touring that was super successful, uh, and now getting these traditional roles. Yeah, she's she's playing the 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 worldwide game. She met her uh, baby daddy on her Netflix show. She did. Yeah, because he was the uh, he was the love interest on the show. You know, that's why you gotta be careful who you cast. If you're if you're an executive right. producer on your show, you gotta cast somebody that you wanna hook up with. <laughs> Lesson learnt, you know, make those babies. Casting, that's probably illegal. Like you can't, yeah, let's not get into that. Yeah. Let's just say relationally. If you wanna, if you wanna get to know somebody, you can cast them, but let's just make it. Well, I'm not making it anything. I'm not making it anything. So you can say, I'm gonna make it, you don't say let's make it because I didn't make it anything to begin with. Uh, episode 29 released on April 18th, 2014, Troy Savant. And then we recorded this one at VidCon. Um, so it may sound a little different. How many details can we get out of your uh, your secret project that you're working on that you mentioned at the, mm. the beginning? Is, yeah, go. I'll say it's potentially the biggest thing that I've ever done in my whole life, like What's, work-wise. Okay. Um, I've been working really, really, really hard on for like, I, I guess, just under a year now. You, there's going to be a big launch. Some, some but days. you've written it. Maybe it took a while to write. Maybe. Yeah. Hmm. And maybe I'm writing it now. Can I? Yeah. Can I see your palm? My palm. <laughs> yeah, that's going to help me. <laughs> I mean, just go ahead, but okay. Yeah, we've got the lifeline here taking a left. Hmm. Uh, it's, so it's, it's, a, it's is an that album. an actual thing? It's a, how how it's old a, am I going to be when I die? It's an album. I can look at your um, your uh, your palm and tell it's a it's a blockbuster um, album. And Rhett, you were, you <laughs> nailed it. He beep, did not beep, beep, beep. he did not say he didn't really respond to your prediction because he knew it was absolutely true, one hundred percent true. And um, the look on his face, which we did not we did not uh, have video video that at the time was a uh oh. Yeah, you got me. Totally right. <laughs> uh, his first major label EP, T-R-Y-X-E. I don't know if you if you spell it out, if you say it, because I'm a dad. Uh, it peaked at number five on the US Billboard 200. Had another album since then. He like shows up to perform with Taylor Swift. Yeah, he is in a different stratosphere. The, the music has kind of, the music thing's kind of worked. Kind of worked for Troy. And, and you know what? All because of you, Rhett. Because you know, it, up until that moment, this is the thing I didn't want to say. It turns out that the thing that Troy was working on was not an album. 
it was a it was a claymation movie, and uh, that he had spent a lot of time on. The claymation takes forever. And when I said album, once the camera stopped rolling, once the the we stopped recording, he was like, you know what? It's actually a claymation thing. But now that you said album, I'm probably I should gonna... probably do an album. And I haven't heard from Troy since. (laughs) (laughs) But that's pretty cool. I mean, as you, you know, I I wanna talk about how, what we think about this interview phase of Ear Biscuits, but let's just get through a couple more of these interview clips. This next one, skipping forward to May 9th of 2014, this is uh, episode 32 with a comedy duo known as is it Smush? Smush. Smush. Okay, Smush, yeah. You know, the, the overall plan for Smush isn't just about Ian and I. So our main focus isn't let's go do a movie, let's go be uh, huge mm-hmm. Hollywood hot shots or whatever. Let's let's grow the brand and keep our comedy alive in as many different forms as we can. We have our gaming channel, we have a cartoon channel. Um, we're trying to introduce new personalities that totally get our humor that we think our audience will like. Um you know, like they love all the Smosh Games guys now, and uh, they love Mari. So those those have been some personalities that we've introduced that mm-hmm. that totally get it. So so more of that type yeah. of thing too. Other yeah. other Smosh properties. Yeah, other people that we really love that yeah. we know that our audience will totally get. Yeah, because I mean, like we can't we can't create fifty shows ourselves, but we can create other shows that other people make that our audience can enjoy just as much as they enjoy watching our shows and, mm-hmm. that's, and I think that's that's cool. Guess I just need to say thanks for all that strategic development. <laughs> uh, you know, they turned a corner at that point in terms of casting, you know, expanding the Smosh cast uh, to include everyone that we know very well now because they work in our building. Um, and then Anthony and Ian, they, you know, they separated creatively and uh, if you listen back to that podcast, I think in, in hindsight, you can probably read into it maybe more than was actually there, but that's if that's a valid exercise if you wanna do it to see how, uh, if you wanna overinterpret some creative tension or just um, creative trajectories being kind of splitting And that off. was still pretty, pretty early yeah. in 2014. It would be another, what, four years? Uh, before Anthony left? I mean, I don't know, if I would have known that we would have acquired Smosh and brought them in house and you know, given Ian the freedom with his team to continue to create as, the, as they have, I just don't know how I would feel doing that interview. It's like I'd probably be like, that's why I can't be a time traveler. Cause I'd be, I'd have this weird grin on my face. I'd be like, what's wrong with you, man? Well, I mean, we, we had no point of reference. Absolutely no, I mean, I would say that up until the moment that it started to seem like it could happen, we had no point of reference for acquiring. <laughs> it, you know what I'm saying? It, it, that wasn't really, it wasn't really on our minds. It wasn't part of the strategic plan. Um, but yeah, to go, cause we've, you know, we've looked up to Smosh for a really long time. You go back to uh, the very beginning, like when, the, like probably when we started our YouTube channel, they were I, they had to be number one. It was either them or yeah. like Barats and Beretta. No, they were they were number one. They, historically, they are 
in the top five, maybe the top three most subscribed channels on YouTube in terms of like longevity. And, obviously, and holding that title for a very long time. Yeah, um, obviously PewDiePie is up at the top, which we also have an interview with him. I don't. Th we're not gonna. We don't have a clip of. Of of talking with Felix, but um, but well, you talked about the another clip we're not going to play, but I I want to talk about it because it is uh the Wasabi Brothers. We had the Wasabi Bros on, yeah, and uh we actually so whenever we have a duo on, we talk about their like creative dynamic, relational dynamic, all that stuff, and just a you know from one duo to another, let's talk about that and how you work through things, and. When we started asking those questions about how you work through things and differences, et cetera, with the Wasabi Bros, it became very evident to us, and you can go back and listen to that episode, that this didn't seem like something that was gonna last. <laughs> and then I would say that within, a, I don't it, it was less than a year, might have been a few months, Right. Uh, they announced that they were separating. Roy and we, Alex, Roy's gonna do a bunch of bathing and stuff. Yeah. They both gone on to be very successful individually. It didn't seem like they had uh, necessarily the the commitment to be like this is us doing this together or or bust, and uh, that usually is required. And even when you do have that commitment, sometimes it doesn't work out. Yeah, I think that was April thirtieth, twenty eighteen, when uh, when that finally came to an end. Now, like Link was saying, uh, you know, the majority of of the episodes early on were these interviews yep. because that was the, it, I, we probably have said this before, but we were really influenced by Mark Marin WTF podcast at the time and that he was interviewing these traditional celebrities and getting into very personal things. And this wasn't, um, this wasn't something we had any experience with. Uh, also, it's, it's a little bit, um, it's a little bit odd, there's an odd dynamic when two guys are interviewing one person typically on a personal level, and so it, it, it's kind of like, ah, uh, okay, this is this is an interesting dynamic. Probably don't need two people to ask a question where seventy interview somebody where seventy-five to eighty percent of the content is going to be the the answers that this person is giving. I mean, it's it, there was some cool things that happened with us, kind of bouncing things off of each other. There's you know it's two different perspectives applied to it, but we both have a lot to say. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And uh, and so every once in a while, even back then, we would work in one of these episodes where it was just, hey, let's just talk to each other. But the when we decided to do the podcast, we immediately went to the interview thing because there were so many people doing that, especially in the comedy world, like you said, but no one was doing it in, the way it, in that deep, it, kinda introspective, analytical, uh, raw, Way with YouTubers, YouTubers. so uh, I was I was very excited about that in terms of actually I've, I felt like it was like collecting YouTuber interviews as a time capsule, and I'm very proud of the interviews that we did because I do think um, it represented everyone's story up until that point, how they got to that point, uh, and being so successful on YouTube, um, there were. And I do think it's useful to still go back and see that. YouTube has changed so much that a lot of the um, uh, success paths that they took are no longer viable paths, you know, because YouTube is a different thing. It works differently. Um, everything's different about everything. 
So, but I still think it's a time capsule. You know, I know for the Felix interview, it was very obvious to us that he had never really, to the level that we were trying to get him to analyze his own success, really grappled with that. And it was a combination of somebody who was willing to ask those kinds of questions, but also had the insight into what they were doing because it was what we were doing. It's it's the reason that Mark Maron's podcast works right. so well is that he's talking to comedians and performers and he's a comedian and performer. Uh, yeah, and so we, and I think it had to do with our age, you know? I think we were already old <laughs> in, yeah. in, in terms of the ecosystem of YouTube. And so, and we had been doing it for a while. Uh, we, had, we knew a lot of these people and they respected us enough to say, yeah, we'll come and talk to you. And then it, you know, it took on a life of its own because that's a guest driven podcast works differently than, you know, a talent driven, co- uh, I'm using the term talent loosely, <laughs> where it's just like two guys who are gonna talk to each other every single host driven, you know. Um, it, it works differently and it draws people in in a different way. So there were people who were coming into an Ear Biscuits podcast because of the guest and we, we kind of relied on that for, you know, basically the entire first and second season. Yeah. Um- but like you said, we would, well, and I did wanna add one thing. I do think that there was a question in our minds, I think when we first came up with what Ear Biscuits was gonna be, that do people wanna hear us talk for an hour? Do we wanna talk for an hour? We moved to the interview thing so quickly that I just wonder if we if we questioned whether what we're doing, what we're doing now, or it's just the two of us, is something that would be viable, you know? I think we th- I think we thought that we needed the name recognition of the guests to drive interest. But like you said, we even in the midst of doing interviews, we did pepper in some uh episodes that were just the two of us talking. And this next one, episode 42, released July 25th, 2014, called Obsession. We talked about uh your layers. Mm-hmm. Let's play a clip of that. Rhett goes through a series of obsessions like uh, a fashion designer goes through new outfits. These are semi in chronological order. Ultralights, chiropractic, crow hunting, wine pairings, fossils in geology, crowned Victorias, barbecue, hot yoga, juicing, paddleboarding, four-wheeling. Now that was edited. Um, you don't speak that, you don't speak that quickly. <laughs> no, I move at the speed of conversation. <laughs> That was the speed of an edit, because and the list could have gone on and on. No, I I think that was the list at the time, and then we kind of unpacked the dynamic associated with it. But I'm, what do you think when you hear that list? Um, I think about, I'm like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. mm, yeah. What do you mm. mean? What do you mean? Mm. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Ultralights. I got to get back on that. Got to get in one of those fossils. Yeah, I just just looked at my fossils yesterday. I did, I was rearranging some things and I looked at some of my fossils. I was like, hmm, yeah, I gotta get more of these fossils. Now you're adding on to the layers. I, I think that's the other way is that we can add to this list now, the other way to look at it. Well, you know, it's, it, I think about the, uh, so the last two mentioned being paddleboarding and, and, and four-wheeling, off-roading, whatever you call it. Yep. Um, are, are two that we did together and I think the fact that we haven't done, we haven't gone on an off-roading trip in at least two years, I would say, and we've paddleboarded once in the past six months maybe. Right. Um, 
I think that it is uh, indicative of a, a number of factors. I, I think it's due to a number of factors. One, professionally, are oh, you going straight white t-shirt? Oh. I've taken my jacket off. Uh, professionally, we, and we were just talking about this yesterday, we're always as busy as we've ever been, right? Now we're not currently like in the middle of shooting, you know, a half hour comedy while trying to like work GMM into it at the same time. That's not currently happening, uh, but, there's just so many little things that we're kind of keeping up with that we've got less time when it comes to just, there's so many professional responsibilities, but also our kids have gotten to an age where they always have stuff going on that you have to be a part of. So yeah, like, let's I, blame it on the kids. Are you saying you, do, I agree with that. No, I'm saying that, I was, I'm not blaming I, the kids. I, no, it, I agree. I'm it saying is, there's things like. They have so much to do and there's, you got two of them, I got three of them, and it's like. I don't make, I do not make weekend plans anymore. I mean, I'll make weekend plans like way in advance, like right. okay, I'm gonna go someplace for my anniversary or right. whatever. But I know that it's like, well, you, Locke's gonna have a basketball game, or he's gonna have some practice on the other side of town, Shepard's gonna have a birthday party, or he's gonna have to go to this golf practice or whatever, and it's just a given that at this stage in their lives, they are going to have these things that they have to do. And you combine that with the fact that there's just so much to like, and even when we do go do things like paddle boarding, we, it, the last time we went paddle boarding, we turned it into like a day of brainstorming. We, it was like, hey, let's go get out in the ocean and then let's go and sit down and brainstorm a bunch of ideas. Ideas that we're actually currently working on in one form or another. But are you saying you don't have any layers? Your life is such that you can no longer have an obsession? Uh, I think that. I thought the, I mean the the lights in the house were kind of an obsession but it's. Yeah, that, well. It's more of an installation. I would say that that is a, you know. I would say home stuff is an obsession for both of us. I would say the, the, the most recent layer is just reading uh, horror novels. I think that, you know, that's one you can fit in. Get, getting, you know, writing the novel, looking for some inspiration, and then continuing to think about uh, where we could go with that story. Um, you know, I, I'd say that's the latest thing. Is I'm I'm, I'm consuming a lot of, of thriller slash horror novels, but in terms of things that require buying equipment, and I anticipate getting more back into the art of barbecue. Uh, when we redo the outside, and I've got this, my, I've got my eye on this this grill that I want or whatever. But it's not like, um, you know, the last time I like smoked a pork butt for a large group of people. Again, that's I gotta plan it. I gotta I gotta get ready the night before. I gotta spend six to eight hours on the day of. Like, but at least you're at home, so that's doable, and you can still be a, a dad. No, but I can't sit there with a piece of pork if I gotta go to a basketball game or take somebody to a birthday party. Yeah, that's true. You know what I'm saying? You gotta plan these things. I mean, those episodes where we would just talk the two of us and kind of share stories or talk about our songwriting process or specific dynamics of our friendship, um, I think we're, we're rays of light, of shining a way to where Ear Biscuits could 
ultimately evolve. And we were getting good feedback on those as well from you guys. But you I, and, and I think that you had a mounting frustration with the interviews, more so than me, um, which is totally fine. Um, and I, I think it got to a point where it was like, you know, I, I was a little later kind of making that transition, but ultimately we both got to the point where we didn't really have an appetite for these in-depth interviews. I mean, especially when our appetite for having more conversations started to grow, we can get into that a little bit more later, but I think as far as the, the waning interest in uh, interviews, part well, of it was practical. You get, you're subject to these people, guests showing up, having to be booked, having to pick people, are they the right kind of candidate? Do we wanna talk with them? Do we have things to say? It was a whole thing that was very. Well, and for me personally, I was, there were some guests that I was personally less motivated to talk to. I was, yeah. per, I was personally less interested in their career. I mean, just being frank about it. Uh, I respected everybody and I learned a lot. I would talk, we, we would sometimes have people and I was like, I really don't know anything about what you do but I, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take, you know, we would have like a research period. So we like, we wanted to ask informed questions and we wanted to know what we were talking about. And so there would be time that would go into learning about them and watching their videos and then coming up with some, you know, semi-intelligent questions. And that process became a little more like homework to me about a subject that I wasn't interested in with, 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 with you know, and I think that, uh, just for me, and, and I think you couple that with the fact that, like I said, we both have a lot to say. Like, we, we, can, <laughs> we can fill a conversation very, very easily, both of us. Both of us individually have enough conversation in the tank to talk to one person. When you, all of a sudden you got the two of us, and sometimes there was, there, there was this like, uh, and I think you had more of a tendency to do this, to be like, you had this very specific, and we wouldn't talk about it. You had a very specific yeah. way that you wanted to conduct the interview and a specific line of questioning. And so there would be like maybe a 40 minute period in a podcast where I would, I might just say like, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know me, that's not my jam. And so uh, I, th that was frustrating for me. Yeah. Uh, because I was like, we yeah, let's just talk, man. We got plenty to say. Yeah, you know what? I think I'm realizing, or at least remembering, one of the things that really changed for me in terms of my appetite for wanting to switch the show and make it more about us. I I had this mounting guilt. Maybe guilt's a strong word, but I just I had a mounting discomfort over the course of a couple of years of doing the interviews because I would make it a practice to push so hard to get to something juicy, to get to something meaningful and introspective and new. I, you know, I, I took it as a personal challenge to get past what they would talk about on other interviews and really understand not only how they became successful but what made them tick if they went through any hardship, it felt important to me to give them an opportunity to talk about that because I just felt like that's an important aspect that 
that a lot of people didn't see. They see the success, they see the smiles um, in between, you know, jump cut together, but they don't see in between the jump cuts. And, you know, I really wanted to give people an opportunity to, to analyze that aspect of, of their, their own selves. And I did push kind of hard. I asked, you know, awkward questions. I, you know, um, and that's actually not what bothered me. I, I think the mounting discomfort was. We weren't doing We that. weren't doing that. Like, we, weren't, we weren't sharing. I think we started talking about it. So like, I felt like if, if someone would have done to me what I did to them in the line of questioning that I presented, I would have been uh, very uncomfortable. And I didn't feel like that was fair. I still don't feel like that was totally fair. Um, and I'm, but I'm glad that this venue and this table has evolved to be a space where we can process who we are in a way that I was trying to get other people to do. And I think that, there, I, I definitely recall people commenting about that. Like you guys will get so so much personal stuff from a guest but we don't know a lot about you personally. Right, I, I'll, uh, play, I'll play a clip. I didn't mean to cut you off, you can finish your thought. That was all I was gonna say. So episode 91, actually we called it Let's Get Personal, released on April 24th, 2017. Speaking of Lily, we took her in for just an annual checkup. They had concerns, sent her to a specialist, and then to make a very long story short, she was diagnosed with severe scoliosis. We get the x-ray, we look at this thing, and her back is like an S. When we get in with the specialist, basically the first thing he told us was, these are where her curves are, this is what this means, these are the facts, this is what research has taught us, therefore we're recommending spinal fusion surgery for Lily. We left the doctor's office, we went out, we got in the van, and it was like the three of us, and like we talked about it some more, and we cried, you know, all three of us cried. Of course, it was and it is very scary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, that was, I believe, before she went in for surgery, and then episode 95, the world's longest treasure hunt, uh, where Kevin came on and told us about that. T totally different format we tried for a little bit. Um, as part of the intro, I gave an update on Lily's uh, recovery. We told her, you're back straight, and like she started crying. The surgery went exactly at how we hoped. I mean, it, it, it went off without a hitch. It came full circle when we got in the minivan again, leaving the hospital for the first time, and we all looked at each other and Lily was like, we did it. Now she's at home recovering. Um, she's doing great. But the fact that they went in there and they put two metal rods that they custom bent, they, they, they like smushed her spine to be back, no longer in an S, and then they attached those rods using titanium screws, huge screws, into her vertebrae. You know how many people. And then six weeks after that, she's like fully recovered, here's basically. The here's the thing, what? <laughs> you get a, you get a you little said, here's in, the thing. insight into, let's do, somebody do a, somebody do a montage of me trying to say something, <laughs> to insert something into a link story. Kiki, you do that. <laughs> I thought you were talking to Kiko. I was like, why'd you call Kiko Kiki? I call but I, I understand no, now. Kiki, not Kiko Kiki. Maybe that goes both ways. I don't know. That's a good analysis. So that was after we had made the decision 
This was well into us making the decision for the show to just be the two of us. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I don't remember exactly when that was. But uh, yeah, we very, well we started saying that the thing that's gonna drive the majority of. March of 2017 is when we started. Okay, so this is very, cl- this is very soon after that. Cause we were like, let's use. No more interviews. The thing, you know, the stuff that happens to us is going to be the majority of the fuel for the conversations that we have. Right. And you know, we've talked about this, many people have made the same observation that uh, some of the personal stories that used to be the the backbone, were definitely the backbone of Good Morning Chialink and the predecessor to GMM, and then the early stages of Good Mythical Morning, very much driven by us having conversations together that's where let's talk about that and moving at the speed of conversation. A lot of that was actually originally GMM yeah. uh, mode. And of course, for reasons that most of you probably understand, GMM has uh, necessarily taken on a different tone and a different uh, angle and that's why it's in its 16th, it's about to be in its 16th season <laughs> uh, uh, because we made that change. And then we took the we took that spirit and we moved it to Ear Biscuits. Uh, and I think that that was, even from a, like a personal health standpoint, was a very important transition. You know, I, because GMM is like a playground for our personalities in which we do things that grown men probably shouldn't do, or if they're gonna do it, you might as well watch them do it. And we have fun, but it's not about being personal and it's uh, any more than just, hey, this is us re- realistically reacting to something in the moment and kind of having a, two best friends having a good time, but it's not two best friends sort of pulling back the layers of their lives. That's not what GMM is, and GMM's not ever gonna be that again. Um, but we do have this, we have this place that. And GMM was, ne- it was it never. Was, it, it was never that. It was, it, it was never a venue to be as introspective or oh, yeah, yeah. everything we did was for the effect of entertainment. Like we would tell personal stories. stories. We would tell the funny stories. And I don't know how much we we talked about Ear Biscuits becoming a place where I think the assumption was, hey, we can share some funny stories when they happen, at least at the top of an episode before we get into something topical, which which we still do on on many of these episodes. We kind of use that that format when we're trying to figure out what we're gonna make an episode about. Mm -hmm. But then we also expanded it to Whatever's going on, you know, when the thing with Lily happened, that might have been one of the first things that I was like, you know what? I think I want to talk about this. And it was at the beginning of that the first Lily clip, it was like, speaking of Lily, and then I I t- I talked about what was going on. Um but it wasn't the entire episode. And then for the Kevin thing, it was like, hey, I, since I talked about Lily, I want to give you an update, you know, on that subsequent clip we played. Right. But it was it felt good to be able to share and for us to process as friends something that was so that was such a big part of my life you know and that's when i felt like that level of honesty and introspection was uh rewarding i think it um just for us to be able to talk about it e- even without even knowing how a listener will respond to it and i maybe that's part of what you're saying that like the more that we're able to have those type of conversations, it's difficult, you know, for us to find 
the time to have the conversations that where we're sharing things about our experience. We, when the shit hits the fan, we absolutely talk about things. We don't wait to do that on the podcast. That would be ridiculous. Um, so I'm not saying that. It wasn't but in like, addition for, for to instance, that, I, it wasn't like I didn't know right. the update with Lily, but I might not know what you did like on your vacation. That would the, the funny story that you're gonna yeah, tell yeah. about your RV trying to get out of the driveway. Well, you're not gonna tell right. that to me. In the same way. you don't need to, you can wait, that can wait for the podcast. And that's the good good, good morning Chia Lincoln part of it was I'm gonna tell you this funny story about the RV. We should put that on the internet too, two for one. But then we're both gonna talk about w- what these vacations mean to us as humans, husbands, fathers, you know, pet owners, <laughs> you know, all of those things. So uh, the show started to, ex- not, well it evolved, but it started to morph a little bit. And I, I should just give a quick update on Lily since we've talked about her. You know, it's, it's been over two years. We celebrated the two year anniversary of her surgery and um, she had been roller skating recently and somebody came up and clipped her from behind and knocked her on her butt and then she like fell on her back and like, it was the first time that we were actually scared. And everything just popped out? <laughs> yeah, the, the her whole spine just, just kinda. Like Mortal Kombat. <laughs> No, she she had some bruised ribs, but nothing. It just so happened that um, her annual checkup for with the spine doctor was within the week. Hmm. So that put our minds at rest when they did the X-ray and said, "You know what? Everything is totally fine. It's all metal infused. It's <laughs> after two years stronger the, than a normal spine. The, well, the screws that they used to put the rods in by this point in time, it's like." it's totally become one. Right, it's all grown together. So actually, in the first year or so, there is a chance. Of Mortal Kombat. Of, no, of the screws getting loose. Right. And them having to do something. So we've passed that milestone. Her number of checkups are going down to where they don't have to be every year anymore. So um, it was a miraculous surgery and we're grateful for it. She's doing fabulous and she has no uh, physical restrictions, and she she has this scar that still she wears as a badge of honor. And you know, it's like when she has one of the shorter shirts that these girls are wearing now, where it's like you can see the belt. I wouldn't call it a midriff, but if you bend over, you can see a little bit of the scar. And it's like I'm proud every time I see it, and I'm proud that she's fine, like with her bathing suit on, hanging out with her friends. It's like. It's not anything she's embarrassed about and she's had many conversations over the past two years with other people who are faced with the same uh, surgery or a similar condition and she's able to see how she can, her experience can enrich the lives of other people and give them support. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's it was scary, uh, it, was, it was life-changing for all of us and it continues to be. And yeah, I think I have a, uh, like I have a personal, uh, I'm annoyed by like sentimentality porn. Okay, I'll use the, the, the for lack of a better word. Uh, meaning I'm going to say something sentimental or I'm gonna do something or I'm gonna share something sentimental because I know that it will affect the audience in a, in a certain way and it's manipulation, you know, that's a, it's a, it's a manipulation thing. And so I think that there are um, 
There are definitely like, when you talk about like vlogging, personal vlogs where people are like, I've made a decision that I'm gonna share my life with you. I think you get into a place where you start hoping that you're going to experience things that then will make like deep, moving material that just grows your audience, right? Mm -hmm. And I just wanna be clear that that's not what we, that's not what we do on Ear Biscuits. Uh, I think that's probably clear, but um, that's one of the reasons that we don't only format the show to be about personal things. Because if, if we said it's always personal, every single time, it's gonna be about what's going on in our lives, then you begin to script your life for the sake of the content that you're creating. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons that I've, and I don't have anything against people who, who have daily vlogs or family vlogs, but I would be lying to you if I didn't say that almost all of them without exception annoy me. And, and sort of, uh, I think one of the things that annoys me about it is it's just like your family has become a show. And at that point, you, you, you begin to make decisions where the content is driving the way you live your life as opposed to the way you live your life just being the content. Listen, I understand, the, I, I can only imagine what it would feel like to be in that kind of cycle. And I'm glad that I'm not in that cycle. But with with Ear Biscuits, it's like if something happens, you know, and, and, and I think that, uh, you know, just, statistically or circumstantially, whatever, you know, you've kind of had, you know, you've, I, I haven't had this situation happen with, I haven't had that happen with my kid. I, my, mm -hmm. I haven't had a medical situation with my kid. I haven't had a close relative die like your right. grandfather died. I haven't had my mom's husband who incidentally is my dad, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> hasn't been through a difficult time in the hospital. So Link has right. shared a lot of those things. And so I'm not saying that Link is doing sentimentality porn. Uh, I'm just saying that as things happen, if we feel that they're appropriate, we're gonna talk about them and we're gonna process them together because we're purposely choosing to format the episodes in a way that gives us the ability to share personal things but doesn't make the point of An our obligation. podcast to be sharing personal things, at which point I feel like we would be hoping that things would happen or sensationalizing things that are happening to us for your enter entertainment. And, and, and again, this is, a, this is a business. We we do this in part so that we can get money from sponsors, that we can grow our business at Mythical Entertainment. I mean, that we would be dishonest if we didn't, if we weren't transparent about that. But I think more than that, it has become a place for us to process the things that we are experiencing and also, um, you know, just be like, hey, we're gonna be open about our lives, we're gonna be open about what it's like to be, to run a business, to be a best friend, to be a husband, to be a father. As these things happen to us, we're gonna try to accurately pr portray them uh, and just share our experience. And I, I've really tried to understand what my personal boundaries are um, for sharing and what the objective of that is. And I, I will say, I will also acknowledge that yes, that you haven't had things happen in your life since we've been sharing this type of stuff on Ear Biscuits that have had this like headline material sensational type thing like the stuff that you listed that I've shared about. Um, but that's not to say, I mean, I, I couldn't have predicted that I would have been sharing those things. If you would have told me, I would have said, I can believe you, but I don't know how we'll get there. 
I don't know that you would have predicted um, that you would be sharing openly about therapy and the things that you're learning, but yeah. I think that it's, you know, to your credit, I think it's, um, you, you are, you're also doing that. I mean, we're honestly processing our lives and that's what this show has become. It's processing our lives and our perspectives and, um, but I 100% agree that it's not, not with an obligation to overshare, especially to the point of sensationalizing things or hoping that something sensational happens. Right. Um, but in terms of my boundary, I just, even though we've done episodes where they were advice themed, I never want to turn my personal experience at, back at the audience as advice. You know, I just wanna honestly process and then, um, you know, if, if I'm honest, then you as a listener can take whatever's valuable to you. That's up to you, but it's, I, I'm, I, I try to be disciplined to not turn my experience into advice for somebody else, even though I do like giving advice and I like <laughs> feeling like I'm right about stuff. But I, I, I'm very grateful with the way that Ear Biscuits has expanded. I think that, um, again, this is not the primary venue for us to have the deepest, converse, the deepest, deepest conversations that we have, um, but it's that, that middle ground of conversation, you know, being able to tell the story for comedic effect and us to experience that together is really fun. That's really great for our relationship. Yeah. And also, when we get into the introspective aspects of, I told you the RV story, yeah, that was funny, but then we're gonna talk about our vacations and I think we do get at things that, it's that middle ground of conversation that's kinda like, you find yourself being introspective at a point where we probably would have just moved on to working otherwise. Right. So I do think that uh, I'm very happy with her, with where Ear, Ear Biscuits is for that reason. And then I'll say, secondarily, I've been very um, encouraged, pleasantly surprised that the more that we have been honest about our perspectives and our experiences that listeners have related to it and that they've, that it's helped them in some way, you know? We, um, and, and yeah, it's it's been one of the, the most encouraging things uh, from people that we meet on tour. Yeah. And you know, of course there's lots of people who are like, the bright spot that GMM represents in my day has been transformative for me emotionally, and again, we never intended that, but the fact that that's a reality is just something that blows us away. Uh, but I think that when somebody says, Ear Biscuits has, I just, you know, this particular thing that you talked about changed the way that I approached this thing or I thought about this thing in my life. Again, not from a, hey, we're giving you advice. Usually the advice that we give is for some stupid, situation and for the sake of entertainment. Uh, but just, you know, when you hear somebody talk about something that there's a there's a touch point in your life and you're seeing how they're navigating it, it's just, that's just how humans relate to each other, you know? It's not like, hey, look at me and do what we did, but it's just like, hey, I'm just gonna share honestly about this. I mean, any relationship, and I do think that it's not just the relationship that we have with each other, it's the relationship that we have with you listening. Um, anytime that you're just 
open about something that's going on, that enhances, there's the opportunity for that to enhance your life. And that's something, that's a responsibility I think that we didn't design the show to ever have but I think it does now, and so we think about that. You know, when we're when we're sharing something that we're going through, I think we're very, very much aware that there are individuals out there who are going through something very similar, potentially, or will go through something similar. And if that can, you know, improve their experience, then that this, that alone makes this whole thing worth it. And from a content standpoint, just to get a little more practical, I'm very encouraged. When I see, well my heart sinks a little bit when I look at the, the if I see the Good Mythical Morning or the Retinlink Reddit thread and the, like the, a new entry will pop up where somebody says, I miss the old Good Mythical Morning or this is what I don't like about Good Mythical Morning or I miss Good Morning Chia Lincoln and then inevitably the conversation very quickly turns to it sounds like ear biscuits is perfect for you, you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I'm. Yeah. It's funny that I I don't know how much we talked about it, and I I don't know how intentional it was, but as Good Mythical Morning has evolved, then ear biscuits also evolved to fill a desire for something that no longer is the chief dynamic of that show, which is just unstructured conversation that. Uh, gets to personal stories mm-hmm. that are that are funny, and as we've discussed, it goes a lot further uh, than that. So I'm I'm glad to be 200 episodes into something that we didn't get complacent, and that we didn't, but we we continued to want to express ourselves creatively and to and to find a way to be engaged. Because I, I think that anything that and then this is what happened. You anticipate going for an extended period of time. You know, as a performer, if you're creating a product uh, that does require you to perform on some level, uh, this is this. I mean, we're believe it or not, we are performing <laughs> in, one, in one sense because we're not just talking to each other. We're having a conversation in the in this context where you're listening. Anytime you can transform that into something that does not feel like a burden, I think you're in a good place. And not only does this not feel like a burden, but this feels like an outlet for us. Yeah. You know, we're, and I gotta be honest, with the interviews, they began to feel like a burden. Yeah. When I, when, when I looked at my schedule back in the day, and it was like, oh, you gotta do an ear biscuit and you're not prepared for that person. It felt like, ah, you gotta test. But when I see you've got an ear biscuit today on the schedule, and even if I haven't prepared for it, I'm like, ah, that's one of the, that's something I look forward to it's doing. An, it's a creative outlet. It's a mental outlet, it's an emotional outlet. It's a lot of things for us and um, so yeah, I'm, I'm grateful for what it is for us and I'm grateful for what it is for you listening and I just wanna thank you for for listening, uh, at what point you started listening, um, that's fine. Maybe you don't wanna go back and listen to all of them, that's also fine. I'm, it, what's most important is that you're here and that you enjoy hanging out with us, putting us in your ears. Um, thank you for sharing ear biscuits with other people. Yeah, and, um, yeah, yeah. anybody that you, you know that what this show has become 
If you think that they would connect with it, don't be afraid to tell them about it. So what will the next 200 episodes hold? We don't have time to get into that now. Uh, maybe we will at another point, unless you wanna make a quick Troy Savon prediction. Episode 400, what, what well, will we Well, let me saying? look at your palm. Oh, you sure you wanna know? Not if that means <laughs> you really have to come up with something that's gonna be underwhelming. Well, if you got something good, yes. If you don't, let's just keep it a mystery. Okay, well let's keep it a, we'll keep it a mystery. <laughs> but I do have a quick wreck and effect I'm gonna leave you with. This is one that Link has a little insight into because I shared this wreck with him yesterday. And I shared this wreck not so much as a pure recommendation that you're that I'm going all in on this because I have questions about this wreck that I want you to explore with me, okay? Now you may know, we've talked about this before, Primitive Technology, one of our favorite YouTube channels, this guy somewhere in Australia who does all this stuff with Stone Age tools, never talks, there's no music, he never looks at the camera, and he just builds stuff and it's amazing. Well, as you might expect, he essentially created a genre of YouTube videos and now there are other people following suit and doing the same thing. Uh, there's a guy I'm gonna say this wrong, but his channel is Mr. Hyung Update. <laughs> and I believe it's Mr. H -H -A -U -N -G, I think. No, H-E-A-N-G. There's no U, Hyung, I think, but there's no space after the period in Mr. either, at least on the YouTube channel. Mr. Hyung Update. <laughs> and he's got a bunch of videos. There's two from the past uh, couple months that he built this underground, well, this is the confusing thing. Link and I watched both videos. Using a stick, he dug into a huge pit and it's like this incredible dwelling. He, he made a submerged dwelling. That has a pool in it. In the bottom of it there is a pool. And he did one video, like a 15 minute long video where he does this and it's awesome, and yeah. then he did a second video which included footage from the same exact video, it was released around the same time, but then he put a roof on it. Yeah, and made it where you couldn't see it at all. It was like it wasn't even there. It's at, regardless of the, of the nature of how this all happens, it is amazing, and you should watch that. But the assignment and the question is what? The assignment is, between those two videos, like, what was, I don't understand why he decided to do one with a roof and one without a roof, release them around the same time and include footage of both things. But also, if you go and look at other things, I feel like with primitive technology, every single thing that he does is documented and you know that he didn't get any help. My question about Mr. Hyung is, is he really doing all this himself? I want to believe, I want to believe he's doing it all himself, but I have, my suspicions, because first of all, we know he has a cameraman because the camera moves when he's in the car. Don't give him the answers, just let him look into it. Primitive technology doesn't seem to have a cameraman, but there's also many steps in Mr. Hyung's process that you don't see. That's the wreck and effect. I also highly recommend it. And thank you for celebrating 200 episodes, y'all. Mm. Hashtag Ear Biscuits, let us know what you think of the evolution of Ear Biscuits. We'll talk at you next week.